Welcome to the Coaching DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Wyckoff. I'm also the founder of Kingdom Coaching, my consulting business where I work with leaders, coaches, and athletic departments. My guest this week is Kelly Nangle. Kelly is the head lacrosse coach at Liberty University. During part one of my conversation with Kelly, we talk about the importance of having your administration support, unconscious competence, handling failure, Team 10, and much, much more. Kelly has grown into a great leader and has built an unbelievable environment in her program. And much of that came from several rough years that she will share with us. So without further ado, my conversation with Kelly Nangle. Kelly, thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for taking time out. Love for you to walk us through your journey from high school to present day. Yeah, so... When I was in high school, I played three sports. I played soccer, basketball, and before I got to high school, I played softball. That was just because that was what everybody played and that was the most popular thing. And um, I was actually really into soccer because I graduated from high school in 2001. So, you know, the 99ers was like my, that I grew up with them, it feels like. Um, And so that was my dream. I, you know, I wanted to be the next Mia Hamm. Uh, it didn't work out that way, but you know, that's okay. I think that was a good kind of motivational tool for me. But um, then I started, I played soccer and I was on varsity. So I had made a lot of friendships with senior girls and a lot of the senior girls played lacrosse. So they were like, why don't you just play lacrosse this year? Try it out. And I was like, okay, which is kind of funny now that I look back at how like I could have easily just played softball and who knows where, where I would have ended up. But I was like, okay, sure. It sounds fun. Um, and so I had a good time kind of just dabbling in a bunch of different sports and being active. And um, then it came time for college. And again, I'm still having this dream of, you know, being me and him. So um, I ended up going to Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Uh, it was a division one school that I could play two sports. So that was something that was important to me. I still was super passionate about soccer. Um, you know, like lacrosse, it was newer. I think it was newer everywhere. So I don't know necessarily if it was as hard almost maybe to like play lacrosse at the collegiate level. But um, so have soccer, not, not really playing a lot, you know, so kind of surprised me a little bit that that was kind of the way my journey was going. So then play lacrosse and um, my freshman year in college, our college coach that was hired had just graduated from Maryland in that, that may she took, she was took five years. So she was, but she was 22. So she was super cool. Her husband played lacrosse at Maryland. They both played at Maryland and it was awesome because our team was just like the coolest team now on campus. So her husband worked for Under Armour and this was when Under Armour is just starting out. So we would get all this like cool stuff because we were kind of testing out products. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun with lacrosse and I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, um, whatever, this is working out for, I'm like playing a lot of lacrosse. I'm like, okay, still playing soccer. Uh, I end up getting hurt and I kind of end up just choosing lacrosse because it was just, you know, it was good.
perspective. You know, I think a lot of times when you're a player and you turn into a coach, you don't have a perspective of not playing as much. I mean, there are a lot of coaches, you know, that didn't play a lot and, and gain a lot of perspective, but um, I think that's helped me on my journey. When I look back now, obviously at the time, it was hard for me to give up my dream of, you know, playing in the next world cup, but, um, but it was really cool, you know, kind of being a part of that team at Mount St. Mary's because um, she just came in and, you know, we all really bought in because we thought she was cool, which is like, you know, that's like so much of it yeah. with kids, you know, 18 to 22 year olds. So she came in and we were really good. We, we were good pretty quickly. Um, and we played really tough teams and we competed with them, which kind of like slowly built our confidence. Um, we won two, two conference championships and played in the NCAAs. Now this is back when not a lot of teams went. So, you know, we would go in as the 16th seed and play the one, you know, we did that twice and lost, but both those teams, it was UVA the first year and Northwestern the second year. So at least they went on to win the national championship. So it made us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Um, so you know, I have a great college experience. I, I loved the experience of being a collegiate athlete. Now I credit a lot of that to my college coach because she made it a really fun kind of family atmosphere. So when I graduated college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I really enjoyed the, that experience. Now, I don't know necessarily if I was like, I want to be a coach, but I knew I didn't want to leave that environment. Hmm. So while I was in college, I was working at Outback down the road and, you know, I started bartending and I was just, I was making a lot of money, you know, and I'm like, this is kind of nice, but then I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I went to school and here I am. So a girl that I went to college with was working at Outback also, and she was teaching at a local high school. She was like, Hey, we need a coach. Do you want to coach? I'm like, uh, not really, but sure. I mean, <laughs> so I was, I coached at this local high school bartended, you know, I was kind of getting my feet wet. I, I kind of volunteered a little bit like about Madison Mary's cause I was still close by, but you know, like, again, still kind of had my foot in the door, but not really sure what I want to do. Um, and then actually when I worked at Outback, I had a manager that was a big influence in my life and a, a big mentor, which is kind of funny because, you know, you, you kind of go through life and maybe not the time you have these influential people that kind of make an impact in different ways. And, um, she was definitely one of them. And then I, I finished the year at the high school. One of my college roommates was living in North Jersey and they were friends with the coach at Rutgers. And I had gone up to North uh, to New Jersey to work a camp or something. And she ended up needing two assistants. And now being in this seat, I know what that's like. It's the end of the summer. You got to fill two, two positions. So I apply for the job, not thinking I'm going to get it, of course, you know, so turns out I get the job at Rutgers. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Like really wasn't expecting this, but it was cool. Cause I knew my college teammate, you know, I could live with her and figure it out. I'm like, okay. So go to Rutgers, got to experience that, which was great too, because I went to Mount St. Mary's small school. Now this is a big school, big football school, very different dynamic. Um, got to learn a lot. I was, what actually happened was my third season, the other assistant left in January and we're a spring sport. So, um, and we didn't end up hiring another assistant. So I got to learn really quick, um, how to do a lot of things without really having to think about it because it kind of got thrown into it. And so that season ended and, um, 
my AD at Mount St. Mary's had ran into the AD at central Connecticut. And, you know, so they get in contact with me and, you know, and I'm like, well, I'll look into it. You know, I really had no desire or intent to leave. Um, so I go up to, I think I was recruiting Massachusetts. So I swing by central and conference. Cause that's the conference I played in. I felt like I felt ready I don't know if I would have felt ready if that other assistant didn't leave, but, um, so I was like, I don't, I mean, this might be kind of fun. You know, I, it's funny because I don't really think I ever was like, I really want to do this. I, I really want to be a head coach at the division one level. It just kind of worked out. Um, and it was interesting because making that move really wasn't, you know, I think people thought of it as a downgrade because I'm going from Rutgers to central, you know, um, and that kind of motivated me, I think, a little bit. Um, so we get to Central and it was great. Uh, the kids were just super blue collar kids. And, you know, we I came in and I worked hard and they worked hard and it was it went really well. So they were very they were a lot like me. So I think it was I think I had a little bit of false confidence, I'll say, as a head coach, because it just worked because those kids mm-hmm. were good kids. Right. So I'm there for two years. Same thing this, the Liberty job, I, you know, I knew somebody that coached basketball here and, you know, I end up going on the interview and I'm walking around the interview, like, I don't see why I wouldn't want to go here if I was a student. So again, same thing. I wasn't looking to leave. It just kind of worked out. So I come to Liberty and, you know, very exciting place because the sky's kind of the limit here, but it was very different from where I was. Mm -hmm. And so I think I learned a lot of lessons early on it wasn't as easy. It was easier when I went to central because the, I just kind of meshed really well with the kids. Um, so I learned, I've learned a lot through, um, you know, I, I had to learn how to lead. I, I think I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's like, there was a lot of things that naturally happened well at central. And so I was, and then coming to Liberty, I was kind of out of my comfort zone for a little bit, which I think ultimately really helped me. But at the time it was tough. Cause you know, the same things that worked at central didn't work here. So then you're like, wait, you know, what do I do? (laughs) Um, And, you know, I I think you say this too. Everyone says this. It's like, you get these coaching jobs and you just get a key to your office and like a manila folder, maybe with like a roster in it. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody, you don't have any instructions. Um, So, so yeah. So now since then I've, I've just, I'm going into my 10th year here and I will say there has been so much value to staying at the same place. I think I've been able to kind of learn and grow a lot um, through my time here. I think my experience kind of leading up to being here has obviously helped me, but, um, and another person who has been very impactful, I, my direct boss has been awesome. And, you know, we even get this a lot, you know, recruits ask, you know, are you going to stay? Are you planning on staying? I love when they ask that. I'm like, well, it's college athletics. I don't really know how much of that's up to me, but, (laughs) um, but I'm like, you know, having a support at the administrative level as a head coach is so important. And I feel like I've been able to grow and get so much better because of the leadership that I have, um, directly, which is awesome. And that's something you don't really think about when you take a new job or you move somewhere, you know, you don't know who's going to be leading you, you know? Um, and so I think that's a really important thing that I've, I've learned like, man, I've, I've been able to grow and get better and learn from my mistakes 
instead of just being like, Hey, this didn't work. So we're going a different direction. So I've been lucky about that, but yeah, it's been really cool to kind of stay rooted and kind of grow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to double click on that, flesh that out a little bit. Practically, what does that look like when you say administration's been great? They've actually helped me grow. Like what are some things they've done? What? Yeah. Flesh that out a little bit. Okay. Well, I think, you know, just having the ability to have hard conversations and help me sort through it. Cause you know, as head, as head coaches at the collegiate level, which all, we all know this, you know, you're going to get feet, you get the 18 and 22 year olds get feedback and, you know, and it could just depend on their mood that day, yeah. or, you know, you you have 34 kids. We have 34 kids on our roster right now who all have a different experience because of how much they play, how much scholarship they have, you know? So and we always have that dreaded kind of like anonymous surveys at the end of the year and, and feedback. And I've, I have learned to really like lean into that and navigate through it because, you know, as we all can say like, Oh yeah, feedback's good. Give me feedback. It's still, you know, it's hard to take it sometimes. And I'm just appreciative that we had a stretch there. So I was here for maybe three or four years and, you know, we did pretty well right away. Again, like, you know, you change a couple things, you get the kids excited. Okay. Then it was the couple years after that, that, um, you know, we didn't get great feedback. And the worst part about it was I didn't see it come. You know, some years you're like, yeah, okay, this is, yeah, <laughs> we're doing our best, but you know, it is what it is. And so that was a really big turning point. I almost feel like in my career, because it could have went bad. I could have really not had good leadership and been told, Hey, you have to win the championship next year or you're out, you know? Um, but it allowed me to really dive deep into like, okay, what are they saying? Like, what is accurate and how can I take a step back and change it? And I think that was a huge growth moment for me because I had to, I had to do that. I didn't, I, I could have easily been like, Oh, this kid is mad because of whatever. Um, and that's kind of how we created the culture that we have now. Like it was all because we kind of chose to dive into the feedback, but also because I had a leadership that was still supporting me through it and yeah. wasn't just like, Hey, the kids aren't happy. We're making a change. So good. You know? Yeah. Very good. Okay. So, uh, I'm curious, um, I was, I was talking to a coach this morning and we were talking about, I think they call it the four levels of growth. And one of the levels is unconscious competence. And it, I'm curious if I said to you, Hey, it sounds like at central Connecticut state, you were almost unconsciously competent. Like you weren't even sure what you were doing. You just probably had some moxie about yourself. You're probably, I know you're a connector with people does that resonate? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so that almost didn't prepare me, Yeah. you know, because think about it. My first time head coach, the girls are bought in, um, we're winning games. Like we, they were really, really bad. And I got there and we were pretty good. And then the next year we were even better. Like we, we were playing in the postseason and the, like they'd never done that, you know? So you're like, okay, you know, this is easy. <laughs> and again, it could have just been you know, the right fit or I, and you're right. Like I didn't, I just kind of did what I knew and it worked with that group. And then you get here and it's a completely different group of kids, Yeah, you know, and instead of just being like, Oh, well, you know, they're not the kids that I recruit. I didn't recruit them. I'll just recruit kids that are like me, you know, like 
Totally. I, and it's funny because you don't, I don't really think I thought through that. And so obviously, you know how it is. As you get older, you look back and you're like, oh, no <laughs> but at the time. Yeah. And of course, like why, you know, why wouldn't you think like, okay, cool. What we're doing is working. And there was a lot of great stuff that we did that we, I still do. That was really effective, but that's a hundred percent. Right. Like, I think I just, it just worked and you were like, cool. And then you go somewhere else and you're like, well, maybe this isn't going to work. Totally. No, that's, re- that's, that's really good. We see in athletes a lot where a, a student athlete walks onto campus and they're just kind of like, they just kind of play. Yes. And they have success and it's the whole sophomore slump. Then they start to think more about strategy and they, they're learning more and they're starting to think about mentally and all this stuff. And they're not very good for a season mm-hmm. because of the, they really don't, they didn't know why they were having success. Now yes. they're scuffling and it's almost like they have to go through that, that valley to then climb their way out of it. And by the time they're a junior and senior, they know why they're having success and they're doing well. So it sounds like, um, yeah, probably when you hit, it looks like just judging from your, your records, when you hit 2018, it appears to be that's when it's like, okay, I know who I am. And I've got some, I've yes. got, I've got some strong philosophies and core principles that I'm operating with. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, something that I've learned and I think we do a good job of now, but, you know, like figuring out, okay, what are the things that we are, we hold on to It is like who we are and what we do. And what are the things that we have to be like, okay, that worked then, but now it's 2022 and things are a little bit different. And so that is a really you have to find the balance there because you can't just every year be like, okay, we're going to change everything we're doing, yep. you know, but then you can't be holding so tightly to everything you've done because you've always done it. You know what I mean? Totally. So It's fun. That's like a really fun part of our job. I think like just getting to evolve and grow kind of like alongside the girls, but it's tricky. <laughs> How much. Okay. So I'm going to, I, I, as I look through your, your, your record. I was going through the years and just looking for, so you take over your two and 16, then in 15, 2015, you're like nine and 11. You're like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. And yes. then 16 and 17, you won five and six games. So you went, yes. um, is yep. yeah. Talk me through. I want to ask one question specifically. How, how much of a struggle was it for you mentally? Like that, um, imposter syndrome, that negative Mm -hmm. self-talk walk me through, through that, how that sounded. Yes. That was really tough for lots of reasons. One, because, and now here I am again, like, it's really, like I go to central, I'm only there a couple of years. We do well. I come here. Yeah. The first year wasn't great. Second year when we were nine 11, we went to the championship. We made it to the conference championship. Like it was still great. And so but then now I'm in year three. Like I didn't have a year three at central also. Right. So I'm in this new year that I had never kind of walked through. And not only was it, you know, you're not winning games and there's like expectations and, you know, um, but also then you get this feedback that's not great and you don't see it coming. So when you talk about as much as we try to say, like I said, I mean, that, that hurts and that's really hard to not be like emotional, when you're receiving feedback, when you are like literally pouring everything that you have into something, you know, and that's where it's like, and I know probably the majority of coaches are the same way. So it's hard not to feel emotionally attached. It's like, 
okay, you're just going to rip like, and you know, as coaches, you just can get completely destroyed with this stuff. I mean, people come after you and it's like, um, so, but I think a big thing I learned is just with communication, just communicating better and, and just being a little bit more upfront and giving them more space to have those conversations with us so that it doesn't end up being something that they don't feel like they can say. And then the end of the year comes and you're receiving all this feedback, but that was really hard. And that that's where having support mm-hmm. at the administrative level was helpful because, you know, they're either going to help or hurt you with that, with your kind of, you know, your confidence. And, um, and so it was great because we had to address it clearly, but we were able to walk through it and not just like, Hey, and I'm so thankful because that's, that's how all of this, all of what we do now with our culture and stuff was created basically after all that. Um, and so now I can look back and say, you know, instead of like, Oh, those girls were so mean, (laughs) it was like, okay, well maybe, maybe we weren't as clear as we thought. Cause that's the thing. Like most of us, like we have good intentions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So if things aren't going well, um, I think it's more on us to not be aware that it's not landing, you know, but it's like, so I don't know. I'm really thankful for that kind of drop because it, it forced us to kind of change what we, the way we were doing things. And I think now we've created a system where it's just, again, I think something we've learned is we've tried to make things as black and white as we can, which is really hard in this world. (laughs) Um, But the kid, that's what the kids need. And that's what they crave. You know, like they crave accountability. They crave structure, even though they'll tell you they don't want it. It's good. So was there a, uh, do you remember like a, a, a short season, a small season, a month or two months in the, after the 16 and 17, where, you really felt like things clicked. Was that a short season? Was that a prolonged season? Yeah. Walk me through that. Okay. So it was really the summer. It's probably the summer of 17. I want to say because, and thankfully, because I had a conversation with our field high coach one year, you know, when it was, things weren't going well. And I told her, I said, I'm so thankful that the, our end of the year is the spring and that we have the whole summer, like without the girl, like, that time to kind of process. And, and so I was proud of myself and that I decided to be like, okay, let's take a look at what we're doing and not be defensive and just, you know, and brush the feedback off and not use it to get better. So something that really kept popping up when I was kind of reviewing the feedback was, you know, they didn't know, they kept saying they didn't know what was expected of them. And that was, I was like, what do they mean? Of course they know what's expected. But then I really thought through, I'm like, okay, how do we operate? We have a team meeting at the beginning of the year. We give them a list of rules, you know, five or six pages of rules. And then we don't talk about it again the rest of the year. And so, and at the same time, I was laughing because we had gotten an email, you know, a work email. And it was like our, our policies, our work policies. And it was like 65 pages long. And I don't even think I read the first page. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, like it's too much. Like if we want, if we really want this to be something where like, we're very clear about what our expectations are, it has to be something we can go back to and we can talk about consistently. So we basically, so we created what we call now our team 10 and, 
you know, I love that you always talk about behaviors because ultimately that's what it is. Like when I explain what team 10 is, it's like 10 behaviors that we are, we are striving for, you know, it's not like an end game. It's not like, you know, you can do this and be perfect. It's like, it's constantly changing because every day we're trying to do these 10 things and they're basic. Like one of them is be prepared, have a good attitude, like all controllable things. And it's crazy because as we're kind of designing this, I'm like, all of these pages of rules like fit into these 10 things, you know, but we can put it on one page and we can talk about 10 things. And so that individually for me, when I was doing this, that clicked in my brain because I'm like, okay, this can be something we actually really lean into and, you know, can pursue and we can go back to it every day. And so we, that summer, we kind that's how we kind of attacked the next season. And it was the best because the girls are like, okay, like now they know, like if I fail a run test, like I know I wasn't prepared. And so the girls understand, okay, I need to prepare better. And so it's not like we have to have a sit down. We have to say, okay, you know, you know, and it's a lot more of them recognizing them learning how they can be more aware because that's when it will click. It's not going to click if I'm yelling at them all the time. (laughs) And I think that's tough for us as coaches too. We have to kind of, okay, like in the moment, how is this going to help them understand it? You know, because that's where I, we all can get into trouble where we're just, we see it over and over again. We get frustrated. Like, how do you not understand? I keep telling you to put your stick in your left hand, (laughs) but it's like, until they get it, they won't be able to learn and grow and change, but that's good. Okay. So if I, if I, um, walked around your practice tomorrow morning, would all 34 of your athletes know the 10 things? Yes. Yes. And so something we do is we, we talk about it every day at the end of practice. So we say, Hey, does anybody have a team 10? And so they'll say, Oh, I have a team 10 for work for so-and-so because I saw her out here on the field when I walked by during class she was shooting or whatever so they give examples and then we meet with all of our athletes individually usually about three times a semester and when we meet we go through the team 10 and we have them give us examples and we've kind of changed that a little bit we used to do like okay rate yourself from one to ten and then they didn't like that because they don't like rating themselves um (laughs) but now we're like okay give examples and and now we tell them we're like okay pick three of the 10 that like are hard for you. And then seven that are really, you're really good at because they won't really go there and say, Oh, it's, I didn't prepare or I struggled to be prepared. Cause they think they have to tell us yeah, all the, that all these things are going well. I'm like, yeah, but that's not like, I can sit here and tell you that I've struggled with every single one of these today at some point, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these are hard. Yeah. So we're kind of trying to learn how to, again, it's not negative. It's just like, Hey, I I struggle with this. Like I struggle with being responsible. Like I'm thankful that I have a responsible roommate. Like that's okay. That that's something that isn't, you know, natural to you, but it's also been cool, which I didn't even realize this till this past year. One of our girls had an interview and I think she got the job like on the spot. And she told us, she was like, I was so prepared for my interview because of our individual meetings. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Cause we, it's uncomfortable. They have to like talk about themselves, you know? And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't even think about that. That's really good. Okay, so um, 
you kind of beat me to the punch. So we'll play off that. So you've got these behaviors, you've got this team 10, and then how do you instill those behaviors? So you just mentioned that you, after practice, get and kind of have a call out and team, you know, one of mm-hmm. the in that they saw the behaviors that they saw, it, it, you know, the athletes point out one of their teammates and said, hey, they did this. They were, you know, whatever. What other ways do you instill this? What is, what's your process for instilling these behaviors slash building your culture? Yes. Okay. So obviously, yeah, our daily kind of after the practice thing is something that we do. We do um, a team 10 Tuesday. So every week the team votes for someone who has exemplified the team 10 that week. Um, and so that's another way we do it. And I think something that's a couple things that are huge is one, obviously we want to encourage the positive behaviors that, you know, when kids are doing things that fall under our, you know, and trying to stay focused on the kids that are pursuing the team 10 and not like how we're not pursuing the team 10. And so I think a way that we've kind of learned to help grow the behaviors is to try to keep everything under these umbrellas, right? So, okay, be respectful. So when a kid turns in something late, we're like, that's you're, that's not like you're being disrespectful to that person that is waiting on whatever that is that you, you know, so they can understand, oh, because a lot of the times I use be respectful a lot because I think they think saying, yes, ma'am, hi, you know, and being polite, which that is part of it, you know, um, but helping them see like how this translates in their day-to-day life. And even just like be a good teammate is one. And so we have to walk through being a good teammate doesn't necessarily just mean you're just cheering really loud. That means holding your friend accountable. That's being a good teammate, you know, even though, and that's a lot harder to do, you know, being a good teammate is having that conversation directly to your friend instead of, you know, to your other friend about your friend. (laughs) So we try to, as much as we can loop everything into one of the 10 things so that they're understanding how their actions, like how they can grow those behaviors. Well, I think what you're, what you do, and I saw a glimpse of this. And so um, you just, you give clarity that these, if, if we're not careful, we'll talk about, um, respect or family or whatever. And it's very vague. And yet there are some like specific like behaviors that they need to see. Oh, okay. So I love how you give clarity to what that actually looks like day to day, because if, yes. if it's just a theory, it just, yeah, it, it, it never gets the, the penny never drops. It never gets into their heart. So they're understanding, ah, that is disrespectful. Yes. Yes. And that's where I think you know, yeah, you can, you can read something and be super excited about like the first team meeting and have this whole yep. thing. But then, you know, if you don't talk about it again, um, they're not, it's not, I mean, even things we talk about all the time, I'm like, man, we've said this every day for the last two weeks. And they're still like, you know, which I get like, you know, yep. it's easy for us. Cause we sit in our, at our desk and we talk about this stuff all the time. Well, they're like having their normal life. <laughs> Yep. And so, you know, that we have to remember, like, they're not kind of thinking about and talking about all this as much as we are, but that's been, I don't know, really helpful. And then to see on the back end, how many of our kids were like prepared for life after school because of it. Like I've had kids, alums of ours be like, coach, everybody at my work needs a team 10. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's probably true. But like, just to hear that they are prepared, like that's, cause that's the other thing that I, 
I am very passionate about. I mean, this is not just about them playing lacrosse. Like how can we, how can they learn about life through the sport of lacrosse and obviously excel. Like, it's like, we, we don't want to say, Oh, it doesn't matter how we do on the field. As long as you're good kids. I mean, yes, that's important, but kind of finding that like doing both things really well. And I think we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like the all blacks, the rugby team, they, one of their statements is better men make better all blacks. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. the idea of like, as you're developing respect and all these, the, the, the team 10, the 10 things, it's going to help them be better teammates, be better on the field. Yeah. Can you, yes. okay. I'm going to challenge you. Can you give me the 10? I'd love to hear them all. Okay. Be prepared. Okay. Be a good teammate. Be respectful. Finish. Now I'll just give you a short story about this. We add this because when I first got here, they would have like study hall hours. They'd have like six hours and they'd get like five hours and like 53 minutes. And I'm yeah. like, guys, so which this one translate a lot on the field, like finishing through plays. And all For stuff. sure. Um, take care of yourself. Represent the program in a positive way. Now this is geared more towards like off the field yeah. and like voices and decisions they're making. Communicate. Um, have a good attitude. How many are we at? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight. Okay. Work. Okay. That one is more so focused on just like extra. Like what are you doing outside of practice? Yeah. Okay. Or outside of class or, and then, um, be responsible. Love it. And that one's another cool one because you know, they start to see, oh, taking accountability, taking responsibility. So like, if I give you a bad pass, you know, like seeing that's being responsible, that's just, Hey, my bad, yes. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and just watching, but literally we have yet to, somebody asked me once, they like, has there been anything that happened that, you know, wasn't in the team 10? And I'm like, no, honestly, literally this yeah. covers pretty much everything we're looking for. Totally. That's good. Thanks for listening to part one. If you would do me a favor and give a five-star rating and review, I would appreciate it and be on the lookout next week for part two.